Psychopaths rule the world. In our prior episode, we discussed the narcissist and although not all narcissists are psychopaths, they may share some of the psychopathic tendencies. Now, when I speak of psychopaths, they may be found in many areas of our lives, such as seriously dysfunctional relationships, the broken justice system, dark politics, corrupted law enforcement, or even greedy corporate leaders, and of course the entertainment industry, Hollywood, and the like, and so on and so on. Welcome back, my Dark Side crew, and if you're new here, we're glad you found us. Welcome. Here on the Dark Side of the Human Condition, we, draw, we dive deep into the abyss, and we try to shed some light on what the dark side of the human experience that exists in all humans everywhere around the world from birth till death. Just a little reminder that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose, medically treat any condition, nor persuade you to change in any way. So if you're easily triggered or feel the need to get professional help, please do so. What it is meant to do is inspire you to dig deep within your psyche, to challenge your views on this thing we call life. So with that said, let's dive in. In today's episode, we're going to take a look into the psychopaths and it's going to push the limits on the topic of how we'll be breaking down many psychopathologies. And some of these topics may be triggering for some. So again, enter at your own risk. So just what is a psychopath? Researchers have proclaimed that psychopathy is a form of mental personality disorder as in a significant behavioral or psychological syndrome or a pattern that occurs in any individual and is associated with distress, impairment in functioning, or increased risk of suffering a manifestation of behavioral, psychological, or biological dysfunctions in the individual and that socioeconomical environmental factors can lead to an intellectually deficient individual and deviant behaviors. The term psychopathology, used in our language today more so than any other time in history, but the term actually dates back to 1913, when a German philosopher and psychiatrist Carl Jaspers introduced his book General Psychopathology. His framework for understanding the mental experience of individuals followed a long history of varied attempts at making some meaning out of abnormal experiences. Psychopathy, sometimes considered synonymous with sociopathy, is traditionally a personality disorder 
characterized by persistent antisocial behavior, impaired empathy and remorse, and bold, disinhibited, egotistical traits. Different conceptions of psychopathy have been used throughout history that are only partly overlapping and may sometimes be contradictory. So technically, a psychopath is a person suffering from a chronic mental disorder with abnormal tendencies for violent social behaviors. So it seems that those afflicted individuals suffer with intellectual disabilities, have problematic behaviors, including boldness, lack of empathy, inclination to violence, manipulation, impulsiveness, and yes, narcissism. Aggressive behaviors towards others and destructive acts are believed by the medical community that psychopathy is caused by genetics and environmental attributes. It affects at least 1% of the world population from what they can tell. I think there might be more. Psychopathy has also been linked to high psychoticism, and that's a theorized dimension of referring too tough, aggressive, or hostile tendencies. Aspects of this that appear associated with uh, psychopathy are lack of socialization and responsibility, impulsivity, sensation-seeking, and yes, aggression. Which leads us to the three personality traits that are together referred to as the dark triad that share certain characteristics such as callous, manipulative, interpersonal style. Three types of personality profiles that make up the points of this dark triangle is psychopathy, Machiavellianism, and again, narcissism. Psychologist Paul House and Williams coined the term dark triad in 2002 when they found that these personalities tend to run together. Niccolo Machiavelli was a 15th century Italian politician, famous for advising rulers to use deception and deviousness on the population to maintain power. So the term Machiavelli is synonymous with a person who schemes and manipulates. People with this trait are strategic in their relationships, selecting relationships with people they can use for personal or social status or wealth. Much like the narcissist, someone with high levels of narcissism feels entitled to adoration, power, high status, so much so that if they don't get the things that they want, they may lash out and take things to the next level of psychopathy. 
Ironically, it's said that we're often attracted to people who have a bit of psychopathy or a hint of dominance, especially because people with the dark triad tend to be good at making themselves appear more attractive at first. I personally feel that most people who find themselves in the political arena are psychopathic in nature, or at the very least, narcissistic. Their desire to rule the masses without question, as if the world was created for their needs only. They are deceivers at their core, and most have no desire to do what is right for the people, if it does not coincide with their personal and political agendas. I mean, just look at what's going on in society today. Can anyone honestly say they feel safe? That our political leaders are looking out for the interests of the people? I can't. And I don't believe that they all start out that way, of course. But over time, the career politician becomes more and more self-indulgent and succumbs to a godlike self-perception. As long as they can keep the masses believing in their false narratives, blind the people with their propagandas, and remain in power, they care not what the people think of them. They lie, cheat, steal, and some have even done the unthinkable just to retain their position in power. We're supposed to be okay with that. Shut our mouths. Don't make waves. Just be docile little slaves to the system because they're entitled and usually above the law. Time for an overhaul? In an article written by Jade Wu, PhD, she's a clinical psychologist, a health psychologist, and she explains the five destructive patterns to recognize people high on the continuum of dark triad traits. I'll share her thoughts with you. The first trait, according to Dr. Wu, is number one, lying. Lie more often and think of themselves as good at deception. More specifically, Machiavellianism is associated with telling more white lies, while narcissism is associated with lying about popularity. The most troubling are those with high levels of psychopathy, who are more likely to lie for no reason at all. When you catch a partner with these traits in a lie, you might begin to sense that something doesn't add up. These erosions of trust, whether big or small, can start to chip away at your sense of security. Number two, she says, infidelity. She goes on to state that it's well known that those high on the dark triad scale are more likely to cheat on romantic partners. Given their penchant for impulsivity, 
lack of care for others' feelings, and ability to lie easily and often. This isn't surprising. What's more interesting, she goes on to say, is which traits in the dark triad lead to which types of infidelity outcomes. When people with higher levels of psychopathy cheat, it tends to lead to a breakup. But when people who are more Machiavellian cheat, they can manage to keep the relationship going. This might be because their strategic approach to everything lets them fly under the radar. Even when they get caught, they're better able to manipulate their partner and make it off scat-free. In fact, you might find yourself wondering if you're the bad guy. When the significant other you just caught cheating or sexting with someone else says, you're the one driving me away by being too overbearing. She says, and I agree wholeheartedly, don't fall for it. This is classic Machiavelli. She goes on with number three, jealousy and revenge. Those with the dark triad tend to have higher levels of preventative jealousy. That is, feeling jealous before they've been given a reason to. More so than the average person. One study found that those with the dark triad not only more likely to have cheated on a partner, but also expect to be cheated on. If they do find themselves in an unfaithful relationship, they're more likely than the average person to want to take revenge, like shouting at them or even spreading a rumor about them. Interestingly, The dark triad women in this study said that even though they wouldn't want revenge, they wouldn't necessarily end the relationship if their partner cheated. This speaks to wanting emotional control over their partner for control's sake rather than doing hurtful things only as an impulsive reaction. And number four... Superficial relationships. Given their lack of true emotional devotion, people high on the dark triad scale don't tend to choose serious committed relationships. She goes on to say that there's nothing wrong with flings, dating for fun, friends with benefits, and other not-so-serious romances. At different times in our lives, we have different needs. And most of us have probably had relationships that were never meant for a serious commitment. But people with more dark triad uh, treats tend to make a habit of emotionally shallow relationships, both romantically and with friends, specifically Narcissism tends to go hand in hand with one night stands and psychopathy tends to go with booty calls. In friendships, Machiavelli's look to befriend those with elite social status. 
narcissism likes to roll with the good-looking squad. And men with psychopathic traits, just like friends who can play wingman and help them hook up with potential mates. And she says number five, relationships that don't last. With all these not-so-glowing findings to recommend them, it's no surprise that people with high dark triad traits don't tend to have long-lasting relationships. Even if they wanted to stay in a long-term relationship, people with dark triad tendencies have and have a hard time making it last. Perhaps because they are simply hard to get along with. She believes that um, researchers who have first coined the dark triad term noticed immediately that agreeableness, warmth, friendliness, tact is the one thing that most people with these traits lack. The dark triad traits have gradations of gray and if you find yourself in a relationship with someone low on the scales it might simply end with hurt feelings but someone with high you know that's high on the rungs of psychopathy narcissism machiavellianism might cause you serious damage there's another sector to the dark triad which refers the traits of sadism, which has been referenced as being a part of the dark triad. This deviant sexual component, such as bondage, sadomasochism, the deviation of sexual gratification from infliction of physical pain or humiliation, either on another person or on oneself. Now, we must be clear that sexual behavior that involves getting pleasure from causing or feeling pain does not necessarily mean you're a psychopath, of course, or involved with one, per se, because sometimes people just want to experiment with something they've seen on porn movies or read in a book. We all know that famous book. But when it becomes an addiction of sorts, you may need to question why. Much like the narcissist, the psychopath frequently engage in promiscuous sexual behavior and may be more inclined to be involved in many short-term relationships. You may think it's because they just love sex, but you'd be wrong because it's more about ego boosting. When they feel rejected, obtaining power, or defending against the boredom that psychopaths often feel. And in addition, sex, especially with a stranger, allows the psychopath to get incredibly quick access to another person when the target is most sexually vulnerable. Psychopaths constantly have their eye on the prize, Getting someone in a vulnerable position allows them to take advantage of them. When we find ourselves lonely, we may be more susceptible 
to the sexual advances of a psychopath. Even when our instincts kick in and tell us something about this person seems off, or sometimes the case is they seem too good to be true. And you know what that means. So now that we understand a little more about what a psychopath is all about, let's take a look at where you might meet the psychopath and what it may look like if you find yourself involved in a psychopathic relationship. Since we understand that the psychopath is always on the hunt for the next victim of their game, it's likely that they can be found in our everyday lives, such as on the job, since that's where we spend an awful lot of our time, if you're working these days. And uh, it's more likely that we run into them at a more relaxed social environment, such as a local bar, a club, restaurant, happy hours are especially popular spots for a psychopath to sexually pursue their new target with much lowered inhibitions with alcohol and possibly drugs people are more likely to fall prey to the psychopath's highly calculated strategies the psychopath in this settings can be spotted by picking up on the following signal excessive forced flattery Casual but slightly inappropriate touching. Seeking pity or sympathy. Creating a sense that the two share a deep, almost destined connection. Right from the start. And asking extremely personal questions too soon to ascertain the target's emotional weakness and vulnerability. They will often exhibit two faces, if you will. For example, many psychopathic individuals appear charming, exciting, charismatic to the outside world, causing people to feel drawn to them and find their magnetic persona and achievements admirable. But at home, however, these same individuals may instill fear, causing those who love them most to walk on eggshells in an attempt to avoid their hair-triggered temper and the repercussions that may follow. The psychopath demonstrates predictable, cyclical style of intimate relationships that share common traits of a narcissist. As the dopamine-driven stage of romantic love that can feel like addictive attraction, as they will idealize, devalue, and then discard their partners with no concern for the pain and devastation they will leave behind. Once that initial attraction and excitement fades and the dopamine wears off, so does the interest in the relationship. It is often at this point that they display disdain for their partner. Make no mistake, they never bond with their partner. So walking away from the relationship causes them little to no discourse. They move on to the next target, as if you never existed. Particularly if they left you 
in the loser position. Many times they will already have your replacement lined up so as to not miss a beat in their game. I've had a running joke over the years with a few of my girlfriends that I must be a psychopath magnet because when I look back at some of my relationships, it seems that I've had several that were arranged from mild narcissism to full-blown psychotic psychopaths. I've often wished that people would have their have to wear a sign of sorts on their face. Like a warning to all they come in contact with that they have some serious issues like narcissism, psychoticism, sex addict, drug addict, alcoholic, etc. Like the scarlet letter, it would save a lot of lives from being devastated by getting involved with these people who don't show you that they really are You know, who they really are until it's too late. That once charming, charismatic, handsome individual was everything I thought I wanted in a long-term partner. Then all of a sudden, he gets distant, controlling, or starts playing the using game. The pathological lies never stopped. Drug abuse, alcoholism, cheating, hidden massive debt, or worse, maybe a criminal record that he just forgot to tell you all about. And without notice, the perfect man is long gone, and a total stranger's in his place. Leaves you broken and confused, at the very least. You begin to ask yourself, how could this happen yet again? Was there something wrong with me that I was attracting these types? Was it subconscious? I just wanted a normal relationship, whatever that meant. But somehow kept winding up in the same place with the same type of crazy men. Why? I needed to know the answer, so... For some time, I abandoned the dating game and set out to find some answers. The first thing I realized is that it can happen to anyone, so blaming myself entirely was not the cause. What I realized is that, like a narcissist, psychopaths are people who wreak havoc in the personal relationships because they have little to no empathy or regard for others. They acknowledge no guilt, no fear of repercussions, and they are extremely skilled at manipulating their targets. And with every relationship they get involved with, they seem to sharpen their skills. On my journey of self-discovery though, I had also learned that certain traits that people, you know, can have that make us more attractive as a target for a psychopath. They are generally positive traits, of course, that unfortunately, in the hands of a psychopath or other antisocial individual, are turned against you. Now, years down the road, I can see 
the red flags were waving. And I hadn't a clue what that meant. But I do now. One of those traits which I possess, that they seem to be attracted to, is called high empath. So those with antisocial disorders, psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists, Machiavellis, are low empaths. They don't care about anyone except themselves. It leaves no imprint on their conscience to use and abuse. Their victims, often high empaths or emotionally sensitive people, who are empathetic, truly care when people are hurt, when others are in trouble or in pain. High empaths may cry easily at the mere thought of others' pain. They're often found to have a career in industries such as nursing, social work, working with children, etc. Psychopaths love these type of partners because their inherent caring makes them not give up so easily, especially after a psychopath begins exhibiting disturbing behavior. While someone who is not so sensitive may run from a partner who starts to show signs of addiction, aggression, lying, cheating, a highly empathetic person will instead think that they can save or they can help the psychopath. Guilty. So the empath doesn't leave the relationship early enough and becomes even more bonded. Some might say trauma bonded. Look that up. Involved with psychopaths and even more convinced that their help is needed. Despite escalating troubling behavior on their psychopathic partner, said uh, Sandra L. Brown, she's the author of Women Who Love Psychopaths, said, and I quote, they're looking for someone very compassionate who is willing to problem solve and will be all, oh, that's terrible. Oh my God, you should get some help because that woman has to get hooked into the storyline and will be willing to rescue their ass over and over again. The woman who says, good luck with that, he's not going to be chasing her into a corner, unquote. Another trait that a psychopath looks for in their victim is codependency. People who are codependent tend to be more reliable, emotionally mature, and take charge of a situation for themselves and yes, their partner. Perhaps you grew up taking care of alcoholic parents and took care and responsibility of raising your siblings Maybe you're someone who has a need to rescue animals. You volunteer a lot. High empaths are often people pleasers. Not bad qualities to have. In fact, 
they are great ones. But in the wrong hands, they can keep you tied to a toxic relationship. A bad part of being a codependent is their need to be needed. Women will find themselves more attracted to men who are more like little boys. Spontaneous, carefree, irresponsible. So mom steps in and takes care of everything. Women like this don't feel quite alive without someone to care for. Often susceptible to one of the psychopath's favorite weapons, gaslighting. We discussed gaslighting in our previous episode on the narcissist. And remember that narcissists and psychopaths share a lot of the same traits. So if the psychopath is, say, arrested for something that they knew they shouldn't be doing in the first place, they might say something like, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. Gaslighting. If the psychopath is physically abusive, he might say, if you hadn't made me so angry like you always do, I wouldn't have to hurt you. Again, gaslighting and yes, blame shifting. Always making you the cause of their bad behavior. Do yourself a huge favor. Don't buy into it, ever. Since the codependent feels responsible for other people's happiness, the manipulation may not be recognized right away. And instead, the codependent may become even more convinced that if only I had tried harder or did A, B, C. This destructive behavior will stop. Believe me, it won't. So if you're thinking by this point that you may be involved with a psychopath, what can you do about it? Well, some may say that leaving the psychopath is one of the hardest things you will ever have to do because the moment they realize you're serious this time, they will become fake interested in you all over again. You are, in effect, throwing down the gauntlet. So they switch up their attitude and turn on the charm to win you back yet again. Remember, psychopaths do love a challenge. So the psycho uh, perpetuates itself. You know, that constant circle, circling back. There are certain steps you need to take, and it begins with changing how you perceive the relationship. You must understand how you got here in the first place. Understand this is not about you per se, but about them and their need to control you at all costs. Now, everyone's situation is different, of course, but you need to evaluate your circumstances and decide what may be the best options for your life. Maybe talking with your support network and getting, you know, objective opinions, assuming you still have one, 
as most psychopaths start with tearing you away from anyone that may figure them out before you do and may try to get you away from them. You may find some serious answers from a therapist who specializes in this type of toxic relationship. And there may be financial issues to consider as well as to how will you support yourself going forward? Because sometimes more than not, a psychopath is so controlling that they become your total source of income and now you have to figure out how you'll manage on your own. If there are children involved, well, that just adds another element of concern as their mental well-being is at stake. You know, the children. And possibly their life, along with yours. Some psychopaths have killed their entire family when they realize that it's a wrap and they're about to lose it all. Something snaps in their mind and fatalists ensue as they can't relate to you taking everything away from them, including the children. So once you've decided that you need to get out, begin to gradually withdraw within the relationship don't make it obvious. The psychopath is clever and there's nothing they enjoy more than manipulating you, winding you up, scoring points, and ultimately winning. You are not out to win, but to remain mentally stable to get out. Start by not reacting to their antagonizations. Don't give them anything to use against you later. Just go gray rock. And if you don't know what that means, Google it. But basically it means no emotion, no arguing, no confrontational remarks. Just okay, agree, all right, okay. Just be, you know, it's okay. Do what you do. At the same time, keep up the pretense that everything is normal and don't give them any clues as to what you're quietly doing. Remember, they may be keeping tabs on you by putting tracking devices on your phone, possibly your vehicle, monitoring your comings and goings, your social media, listening to your calls, searching your web history, even if you think you've deleted it. I've heard it said before that you really have to get in the right headspace first. If there are any doubts or you give in to weakness, you will go back. If you believe that you're still in love with your abuser, you will eventually succumb and find yourself right back in the toxic cycle of the madness. I can't stress enough, but... When you're sure that your plan is ready and the opportunity arises, leave. Do not leave any traces of where you're going. If you feel your situation requires retaining um, a restraining order, 
get that in place now. Not later, when it may be too late. If there are children involved, seek relevant legal advice. But you'll definitely probably want to cut off all contact with your abuser. And maybe most important, once you've left, use a professional mediating service or someone you can trust for your communication with them going forward. You and only you can do what needs to be done to save your life and your sanity and your children if there are children involved. It will take some time, of course, but it can be done. It all starts with a real plan and the first step forward. You must continue to work on yourself and that may be, may very well mean that you may definitely want to abstain from getting involved in romantic relationships for a while to allow yourself to heal from this trauma because it is a trauma and learn from the lesson, you know, learn from it. Otherwise, you may soon find yourself right back in another bad situation or even worse. You can do this. Surround yourself with people who love you and care about you, but it all starts with you loving yourself more than anyone else. First and foremost. So as we wrap up our another episode today, we've come to my favorite part, the quote of the day. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Luke 8.17 Meaning there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. There's nothing kept secret that will not come to light. As we come to the end of another great show today, I hope I've enticed your mind just a little bit. Maybe you're asking yourself a few new questions and maybe found answers to some. I'd love to hear your thoughts as to what you may have received out of this show today and what dark areas you'd like to explore here on future episodes. I look forward to diving deep into many more topics with you and dissecting many more fascinating human experiences. For more info, please check us out at our website, tdsothc.com. And if you like what you've heard today and what we're bringing you, consider supporting the show on patreon.com forward slash tdsothc. And as always, remember to hit that subscribe button on your way out so you'll get notified when we have new episodes. And remember... If today has you feeling anxious, confused, triggered, or even weary, take a moment right now to quiet your mind, breathe, let go of all distractions, embrace mindfulness, focus your intentions on what you really want, clarify, and let go of that which no longer serves you. Remember, your determination is your power and your peace to realize your true purpose as these brief but mindful moments can allow new path to arise so till next time walk in the light on the dark side right here where your vibe attracts your tribe